I have the privilege of introducing the speaker today, uh, Matt Sweeney. He's the new college pastor, and um, he's been on staff for, I think, about three, four months now. And um, he has kind of like an impossible task. Um, his task is to care for college students and do college ministry without doing a college ministry. So, um, kind of weird. Uh, basically, we're trying to do this community stuff, as you guys know about, and we're trying to get all ages interacting with one another and really live in this thing that we call Christianity out together. Not as individuals, not with people that are just so similar to us, that think exactly like us, but people of all ages, all different walks of life, living this thing out together. And so, he's come on staff, and we've basically asked him to do uh, what many would say is an impossible task. And so you can be praying for him and uh, as he tries to work this miracle. And so um, he's going to share his heart today, and I think you will definitely be encouraged. And uh, if any of you are college students, I would encourage you to reach out to him as well. So let's welcome Matt up. Yeah, an impossible job description. Sounds like fun, huh? Um, yeah, I, I've been here just under three months, and, um, you know, it's not impossible uh, to see college students connect in community, but um, we, what we really want to do, like Matt shared, is we, we really believe that God has, has placed each and every one of us in our neighborhoods and around people that he wants us to influence for the gospel, right? And um, so we're, we're committed to that, and I and the college students are no different. They are missionaries to their campus, and they are sitting next to students who might not believe, who might be struggling in their walk with God, and we want them to see themselves as missionaries to that campus, and uh, whatever campus they're on, or if they're working, whatever. Um, God has placed us in people's lives for a reason, and uh, that, that's why I came. Um, I, I do have a heart for college students. I've worked with college students now for 10 years, and I was a college pastor in uh, Long Beach for five years before coming here. And um, it, it's just a joy. I, I, love, I love seeing college people get it. Um, I tell people who are interested in helping out with college ministry, um, realize that just where they are in their lives. They're, they're kind of on standby. You know, at the airport when you're on standby, that's what, that's what a college student life, life is like. Um, they don't know exactly where they're going. They know planes are going everywhere. And they should get on one sometime, but they don't know where to go. Or, um, and some of us, we, we remember that time in our lives. And uh, I want to encourage you to continue to pray for them, uh, that they'll connect here in the body and uh, really be influenced. I, I want to help them a couple of different ways. I want to help college students really understand their gifting and how they're equipped to serve the body and to build up the church. And uh, the other way is I really want them to, to really kind of orient their life and, and learn to be settled in the fact that they are kingdom people and they're supposed to seek after the kingdom first in everything they do. That The planes are going to come and go. Life is going to come and go. But the kingdom of God is, is what lasts forever. And if they can, they can settle on that, um, all that other stuff Jesus promises, right, will fall into place, right? He's going to add all that stuff onto us if, if we can just seek the kingdom first. So that's my heart with college ministry. Um, let me tell you a little bit about where we're going to go today. I, uh, Francis asked me to speak uh, a week and a half ago or so and uh, wanted to push off the end of the world till next week. So uh, just please make, make arrangements this week for the end of the world. Um, that's coming next week, so we'll continue on in Second Timothy. But I, but I had been working through a, a passage in my own life 
And I still am working through this passage in my own life from 2 Timothy. And um, part of the reason is moving here, um, I, have, I have been really challenged by the staff here, and even Francis himself and, and, and Todd and, and these guys speaking, um, really, really challenging me to reevaluate my life. And I, if you look at the outline, I, I titled today, today's message, um, Comfortably Suffering. And uh, why I titled it that was because when I, when I was thinking through this passage, I was, I was praying, God, I, I want to suffer. I want to want, want it like you, you, know, you did. You suffered and you gave your life the gospel. And I, saw, I see examples of Paul doing that. And I found myself in the back of my mind as I was praying, thinking, but God, I, I want to do that comfortably. I, God, I am willing to do anything for you. I will suffer. I will die for you, but make it a painless death. Make it fast. Don't involve my children. You know, don't involve, you know, whatever. But I kept, I kept throwing things onto this prayer of, gosh, Lord, I, I do want to, to see my life really poured out for the gospel. I mean, it's, it's what's, it, what, it's what matters, right? And uh, a, a part of me just kind of started to wrestle with that. And I've been wrestling with it for a few months now, so I decided to kind of let you guys in the ring with me. And uh, we're going we're gonna to dig in it together, and hopefully this will be challenging to you. Um, this is a, a passage that, that Paul highlights in his, in his uh, letter to Timothy. So if, he had a, if we had Paul's Bible, this would be highlighted in his Bible. He does a couple of different things to, to bring this passage out. And we'll talk about that, but this is an important passage, and he's passing this along to a guy who really needs to get it, and he wants to get it. He cares for this guy. He's mentored this guy, Timothy, and he wants to see Timothy really last in ministry. He wants to see Timothy get it in ministry. So we're, we're entering into that, that conversation and uh, get to see what Paul highlights. So let's pray before we get started, okay? Father, uh, you do have the name above all names. Your reputation, Lord, your glory. Uh, help us to be passionate about that. Lord, we acknowledge uh, you're, you're the one who reigns over all. You are the name above all names. God, you, you have complete control. Lord, and today as we look at your word, I pray that you would, you would help us. We need your help. We need your mercy. As we approach this, we, we ask that you would help us to look in the mirror and think about our own selves. You know, you know us better than we do. And so help us, Lord, bring things up in our minds that we might need to address with you, that we need to work on, that we need to pursue, Lord, because we want to live for what lasts. We don't want our life to be spent on things that don't matter but we're blind to that sometimes. So, so help us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so 2 Timothy. Open your Bibles. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me just give you a, a kind of a rundown, some of the passages up to the passage we're going to look at. Our, our primary passage is going to be chapter 2, verse 11. But let me just work through a couple of different verses before we get there to kind of set the context a little bit more. Chapter 1, verse 8. 
This is Paul again writing to Timothy. He's about to die. Okay? And this is a letter that he's writing to Timothy and, and writing to us. So, verse 8, do not... Chapter 1, verse 8. So, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 11. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Chapter 2, verse 3. Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 8, chapter 2. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. For which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Okay, so just before the passage we're going to look at, Paul sets the stage here and and pleads with Timothy to join with him in the suffering of, for the gospel, right? To join with him, to take pains, to be a part of the movement of this gospel, even to the point of death, right? And Paul, again, is writing this from prison. And we've seen Paul's life. Paul's life has been an example of suffering since he met Jesus, wasn't it? I mean, he was shipwrecked. He was leaving people he loved all the time. He was being persecuted, right? People were lying about him. Government authorities were bringing him in. You know, all, all kinds of things are happening. Now he's in jail. Okay, this man, he lived that life. He endured life, right? And he asks his friend, the guy he loves, the guy he's mentoring, he says, share with me in these sufferings. Come on alongside me and do this with me. Don't be ashamed of it, but suffer with me. Okay? So here's our passage Chapter, let's, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Okay, let me, let me explain something before we get into it. Um, this passage is highlighted a couple of ways. One is he starts out by saying this is a trustworthy statement. Okay, so he calls attention to the passage. He says, Timothy, let me, let me, let me go over a statement with you. And, and it's a trustworthy statement. You should, you should think about this statement a lot. Okay? And then he also uses this literary device, a Hebrew literary device. I know this is, sounds like a lot of fun right now, but just stay with me. Um, it's basically like a sandwich, okay? And in the middle of the sandwich is, is what, what is emphasized, okay? And the, bre- the two pieces of bread are on the outside, okay? So as we go through, I'll explain this a little bit further. But there's two different ways he emphasizes this section, okay? So the first part, verse 11, here is a trustworthy saying, if we died with him, we will also live with him. Let me read it all the way through. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot deny himself. So again, this is a statement that Paul brings up, and Paul highlights through this structure. It's it's indented in your Bible, right? All of you guys, it's, it's indented in your Bibles for a reason, because it stands out in the text. And this is something, again, that I've been wrestling with. And he, and he starts out by saying, if we died with him, we will live with him. So he starts out by saying something in the past. If we died with him, we will, future, live with him, right? And what's he talking about? He's talking about salvation, right? If we died with Christ, if, if we've made that commitment to follow Christ, it is a death to ourselves. 
It's not a partial commitment. Okay? That makes sense? It, 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 that's right, isn't it? When we, make the, when we make the commitment to follow Christ, it is not a simple prayer we pray. But it is a life commitment to die. We now forfeit our life here and die to this life and depend on God's faithfulness for life in the future. Okay? Now, the question is, why does Paul bring this up with a guy who's already saved? With a guy who's a pastor? Timothy should know that if he dies with Christ, he will live with Christ. That's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. But I think it's important that Paul brings this up because he he wants us to to understand this is a framework for what he's going to challenge Timothy to do. Let Let me have you flip over to Luke chapter 10. It's important that we understand and remember our salvation, that we've died with Christ and we will live with him in the future. Luke chapter 10. Jesus is about to send out a group of believers, uh, a group of disciples here to do ministry. Chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed, appointed 72 others. And sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the fields. Okay? So he sends out 72 guys that are on mission to spread the gospel. Right? To do ministry. I mean, this is an exciting time in the disciples' lives. These guys have been following Jesus around. Right? They've been getting to know Jesus, getting to know his heart. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, okay, now you go do it. Think, of, think about that. Think about following Jesus so closely and then having him turn around and say, okay, now you do ministry. It's a little bit like Francis Chan asking you to preach. You know, it's, it's a little intimidating, right? How do, how do I do this when Jesus, I mean, Jesus is, but they go do it. They go do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay? And look what happens. They come back, verse 17. 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. Okay, these guys saw amazing things happen in ministry. They they even saw people with demons. They saw demons submit to the Lord's name. They saw incredible, powerful, powerful things happen. In verse 18, he replied, I saw Satan fall like heaven. This is Jesus now replying to that. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Pretty cool thought. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Okay? So he says, look. Yeah, you guys saw the demon thing? That's one part of it. I saw Satan, the guy who runs that show. He fell from heaven like lightning. That's what I saw. And not only that, but I've given you power you guys don't even know about yet. You guys haven't even begun to access it yet. You have, you have a ton of authority that you haven't begun to even tap into to do ministry for the gospel. Right? I mean, he, Jesus is, he's, he's stoking the fire, isn't he? I mean, he's getting them more excited. And then he says this, verse 20, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Can you imagine how that went over in the room? Must have been like, dough. Oh yeah, okay, Jesus. Yeah, thanks. Right? I mean, all the excitement, but what is he saying here? He's saying, we, we have to go back to this. And even as, as Christians, maybe some of us have been Christians for a long time. 
We're, we're called, aren't we? Even in, the, even in the communion table, we're called to remember that we have relationship with God through Jesus. And there was a time when we were dead in our sins. And we called out, we were hopeless, and we called out and God rescued us. Right? And that's what Jesus is calling the disciples back to. He's saying, look, no matter what happens in ministry, come back to this and rejoice in this. You know why? Because this doesn't change. Okay? This doesn't change that you're saved. And this is what we have to rejoice in. Ministry and life, everything else is going to be up and down, isn't it? We're going to have good times, bad times. Even in ministry, whatever. But he says, don't rejoice. Don't, don't let that you know, influence you as much as remembering that your names are written in the book of life. Okay, that we're saved. Okay? I don't know how we can do this, but we, we need to remind each other of this, don't we? When things are bad, when things are good. Right? Jesus does it when things are good. He says, oh, you didn't even see half of it, but that's not what I want you to be happy about. Right? We need, we need to remind, and, and our joy needs to be there, doesn't it? That we have died past, that we are no longer alive to this life, that we've made a decision to follow God, and now we have life elsewhere. Colossians says, set your mind on things above and not the things that are on earth, because you have what? Died. Yeah, died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God, right? That's where our life is now. That's where our hope is now, okay? So that's the background, the framework for what Paul's about to tell Timothy here. Uh, chapter, so flip back over to Timothy, sorry. Luke, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, 2 Timothy. Past tense, if we died with him, future, we will live with him. Verse 12, now, pa- present tense, if we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will disown us. And so what's he saying there? If we endure, we will reign with him, future. If, he, if we deny him, he will deny us, future. Now, some people think, man, is he talking about our salvation here? If we deny him, he will deny us. No, well, in the structure of this, this poem, let's say, or the structure of this trustworthy saying, this is not, this is not referring back to salvation. Okay, this, so this is, this is kind of the middle of the sandwich. This is kind of the meat. This is kind of what Paul's getting at with Timothy. And he's saying, remember salvation up here. But let me, let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to endure because you are going to reign with God. And if you deny God, he will deny you things. Right? He won't deny you entrance into heaven. That's settled. Remember, we died and we will live. Okay? You guys got me on that? So this is, the, this is kind of the challenge to Timothy. So this is where I want to spend a lot of our time. He says, endure and reign with him. I thought it was interesting that he talked about enduring because Paul, like I mentioned earlier, Paul's life was about enduring, wasn't it? And you'd think that he would want to save Timothy from having that kind of life. Don't you think? I mean, he really loved Timothy. And as I was reading this, I was thinking, why, why wouldn't you want to save Timothy from that kind of life? It's because he wants Timothy to understand that it's not real life, right? And we'll talk about that. But think about 
one of the things I was thinking about is Paul's about to die. And in this culture and in some cultures where people make a commitment to Christ and they're in danger of dying and they give up home, they give up family, um, their commitment to Christ, a lot of things are, are taken care of with their commitment to Christ, right? For us, though, we live in a culture where we, we doesn't seem like the commitment's that big, right? It doesn't seem like we really have to endure. That even describes our life with God. And I wonder if it's because we don't make decisions that are really pursuing the gospel. I wonder if it's because we make decisions to avoid suffering. But Paul invites us into that. He says, share sufferings. Share in the suffering. Not just to suffer, but to suffer for the gospel, right? So he says, endure Flip over to uh, James 1. Now let me make a, a distinction between enduring trials, enduring sufferings for the sake of the gospel, and enduring consequences. Uh, consequences are because of what we've done, right? We do something and there's consequences. Uh, Paul not, is not talking about that necessarily. He's talking about Choosing to suffer for the advancement of the gospel. Choosing to make decisions so that we put ourselves in, in harm's way sometimes. We, we make hard decisions about our own lives to advance the gospel. Okay? James says it too. Consider it pure joy, my brothers. Verse 2, chapter 1. When you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And okay? he goes on. And we know that. We know that to be true. That when we, when we have bad things in our lives, that we're supposed to see those things as good things that help us. Now, James takes it a step farther and says, rejoice in those things. Okay, and, and Paul is, is telling Timothy something here in this saying. He's saying, We've, you've got to endure. Okay, you've got to persevere in your walk with Christ. You've got to persevere with people around you. You've got to persevere in ministry. Because we are going to reign with Christ and we're going to be given responsibilities with Christ. Turn over one more passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The promise, if we endure, is that we will reign with him. If we deny him, he denies us. 3, chapter t- uh, verse 10, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. He's talking about our lives now. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. That's, we've died with him, we will live with him, right? That's the foundation. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw... This work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Okay, so there will be a day when those of us that are believers, those of us that have died and now our life is with Christ, that we will be evaluated on what we do. 
But Paul wants Timothy to make sure he understands the things we do have nothing to do with salvation. They don't influence the foundation at all. Okay, you guys got that? And we know that. But what they do do is they influence what God gives to us as a reward for how we lived our life here. And those rewards are eternal. And in fact, he gives us more responsibility in heaven when we do well with the responsibility we have here. So money, time, relationships, all those things. How we use those things to influence people and to influence toward the gospel, God, used, God evaluates those things. Okay, and this pastor says, if we endure, if we, if we are steadfast about those things, if we are patient and endure in areas of our lives where we need to, to advance the gospel, that we have a promise that we will reign with Christ. Okay? And if we deny him, he will deny us things. There will be things that he denies us in heaven. Okay? So Paul, Paul I think, wants Timothy to understand that he's to, he's to work out and endure this life of ministry. And it's going to be, it's going to, there's going to be some suffering. And I was thinking about this again in our context. We don't live in a place where we get thrown in jail for being a Christian. And we shouldn't just choose to suffer just to suffer. But how can we begin to take steps to really not be comfortable, right? There's not a, there's not a suffering street in Simi Valley. Is there? We've got easy street, we've got nonchalant, whatever. You know, we've got all these streets. And if you live on those, I'm sorry for using your street name. In a, but you know what? That's, that's the way our world and that's the way we want to think, don't we? We want our life to be that way, to be easy, to be comfortable, right? We have to fight to deny ourselves, right? Jesus asks us to take up our cross daily, Right? Now think about that. Take up your execution stick daily. Wake up in the morning. Well, I shouldn't say it that way. Wake up in the morning and think about your dead life. Really put to death yourself. It's not a fun message, is it? It's not a fun message for me either. And I'm wrestling with it. But this is what, how we always talk about it too. We talk about it in the sense that if we if we give up things here, it costs me so much. You know, it costs me so much to sacrifice this or to give this up. But really, if we look at this passage, we've got to ask the question, what does it cost if we don't give those things up? I mean, we're giving away the real stuff by not giving those up, by hanging on to those things, by not being generous with our giving. We are giving up things that really last and things that really matter. See, we, we approach it from the wrong way. We say, man, I'm sacrificing so much. No, you're not. You're sacrificing to gain. When we, when we persevere in relationships, when we forgive people who've wronged us, when we endure those things, and we press into those things, what are we doing? We're gaining forever. We're gaining real life, real rewards in heaven. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. 
And there's a promise that we will reign with God. Colossians 3 again. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, we too will be revealed with Him. What? In glory, right? When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, when He comes again, we are going to be with Him in that glory. That's our life. That's what we're looking forward to, right? We are going to reign with God. That's a promise. Okay, the last part of the sandwich. I know you guys are getting hungry. It's about noon. Sorry for that. I'll try to use a different illustration this evening. Um, Verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So now this refers back to salvation. Okay, so this is the bread on the sandwich. If we died with him, we will live with him. If we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Our salvation, our eternal destiny does not depend on our own obedience to God. Okay? Now I know we know that, but, but Paul, again, is reminding Timothy. Remember, he's reminding Timothy. Timothy's a pastor. He's a believer. He's, he's got this, right? He should have this. But this is a, a statement that Paul probably went over and that he wants Timothy to go over and, and really understand. We have relationship with God because of the faithfulness of God, right? We have died to our life. We no longer are alive to this life anymore. We've died and given it to God. We are now alive to God, right? When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, we too will be revealed with him in glory. But it's, it's based on his faithfulness, not on, not on what we do in our Christian walk, okay? But he does talk in this passage, in this sandwich, he talks about why do we do things? We do things because of rewards in eternity, right? Because we're living for things that really matter and that are going to last forever. That's why we do things. We don't do things because we're kind of scared about our relationship with God, how, how to, Right? We know that we have, we have relationship with God. We are going to be with Him in glory. And the command is to start living like that. Start living like you actually have made that commitment. Okay? It's amazing how we can, we can really trust God with our eternal destiny, but we have a hard time trusting with our budget or with our kids. Right? If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. I thought about the passage where Jesus says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And the content, I mean, the, the meaning is different, but the principle is the same. What, what, is it, what does it matter if we, if we hang on to things that are, that are not going to last? And we give up what lasts forever. Why would, we, why would someone do that? I think it's because we're fooled into thinking that this stuff's really going to last. Right? Or we don't, we don't actually believe that that's going to happen in the future. That we are going to live with God forever. That, that we are going to be rewarded for our lives here. That God will take care. Maybe we don't have faith that God will take care of whoever or whatever, you know. But it's a matter of faith, isn't it? We need to encourage each other in this. Just some things um, that came to my mind as I was wrestling through this. Um, talking to my neighbors about God. Talking to my neighbors about the gospel. 
Um, I can do that. I can, I'd rather talk to a stranger and, uh, you know, him have, you know, him tell me I'm not interested than to talk to my neighbor and then have to see him every day. That awkwardness, right? But, but a part of that's dying to myself and saying, I, that's right. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. Right? And the things that I'm talking about with my neighbor are going to last forever. How about your budget? How about trimming down your budget to give more? To whatever. Maybe God's prompted you to give to someone. And again, these these aren't across the board for everyone. It's going to be different for each of us. But is is there an area of your life where you feel like you, you you haven't really given God permission to take from you. What if it's for the gospel? God challenges us to look at those things and remember that our security is not there. Our security is in the fact that we've been saved by Him, that we're going to live with Him forever, and that we need to spend all we can on the gospel here while we're here and live a life that's, that's suffering, hard to endure. Why? Because we're investing in the future, right? We're dead to this life. I thought about the, this vision we have at Cornerstone to do community. When I talk to people about really trying to own their neighborhoods and getting involved in a group, well, I, I don't want to leave my old friends. I don't want to leave my old relationships. Okay? That, that's comfort. That's easy street, Right? Come down Suffering Street. Don't change street names. If, I mean, um, but you know, it's it's about our own preference, right? And so, so many times, our Christian life is about our own preference, about what we want. I um, my wife and I had a chance to go to Albania a few years ago, and uh, if you don't know about Albania, Albania is one of the poorest countries in the world, and um, They, uh, during the 60s, they pulled away from the USSR because they believed they weren't strict enough in their communism. And uh, they became an atheist nation. And um, going over there, it was, it was just amazing how poor they were. They, at, at that time, when we visited, they were the top three poorest countries in the world. And um, I had a pastor come here to the United States. He's about 45, 50 years old. And he spent some time here and and I said, what, his name was Holger. I said, Holger, what's the biggest thing you see in American Christianity that might hinder us from really advancing the gospel? And, he, and his, his, his words surprised me. He said, you guys have way too many choices. I said, what? I was expecting him to say, well, it's the entertainment industry. You know? Yeah, he, what he said was, you guys have way too many choices. If I, if I go to the supermarket in Albania... We're lucky if they have toothpaste. If they have it, I buy it. You go, and we ha- you have 30 different kinds of toothpaste. And he said this in all seriousness. He said, that, that is the greatest spiritual problem in America. Your lives are all about you and your preference. Everything is about what you want. And you get to choose your life and manipulate and form your life down to the smallest little bit with technology and everything. He said, what does that do to a, he asked me, what does that do to, some, to a Christian? How do you get Christians in America to really die to themselves? 
And I was convicted. I threw away my toothpaste. You know? <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? We, we live lives where we, we drive the car we prefer. We, whatever, right? In a lot of ways. Even in small little ways. And Paul's point to Timothy is, you've been given everything in the cross. Okay? You have died to this life, and you now have real life in eternity. Real life, here now and in eternity. So endure in the ministry. Persevere, suffer, give of yourself. Why? Because you're living for eternity. And God will be faithful to what he said. He will save you, he will let you reign with him, and he will not deny you. Let's pray. Father, we we, uh, do just praise you for your faithfulness. We thank you so much, God, for giving us, for coming to our rescue, for hearing our call when we were dead in our sin. And never let us forget that, Lord. Never let us forget that that our joy and our hope is in the fact that we are written in the book of life, not in our circumstances. Lord, help us to see the, the blessings you've given us for what they really are. Lord, help us to, to trust you in this, in, in Jesus' name. Amen.